Well. Well. I quite enjoyed the bit, a bit at the end where Rooney was standing over a free kick and all the United fans were singing if Rooney scores were on the pitch. And he put one fully top bins and Romero made a real good save. Um, Spoil sport. Yeah, absolutely. But like when whoever it was that was in goal, you remember when Ryan Giggs played his last game for us and he like really stung the keeper's hands with a shot from distance late on? It's a bit like that, really. Yes. Uh, I mean, it was a perfectly, uh, well, I would say a, a very good performance from United, but a very, very below strength Derby side. So w- definitely, again, as I said if, a couple of games ago, not one for the five things we learned crowd this game because we, we didn't learn anything. Comes to something when championship sides are resting players when they face <laughs> us. So it's like, I'm joking, peeps. Yeah, and um, Derby have their own problems. They don't want to be sucked into a mm-hmm. relegation battle. I don't think they will be, but, I mean, they're down the bottom half of the, the championship. And so I guess they think they've got other priorities than an FA Cup run, which is a little odd because it's one of those things that might actually boost the confidence of a, a side. Anyway, so they, they played quite a few youngsters. Some of them looked okay. Um, who, who was the who was the lad who's um, at it with Scott McTominay all game? Sibley, that's him. Sibley, yeah. yeah, not the not the England opener, but um, he did try and kick Scott McTominay square in the face at one point. Yeah. I don't know. If- yeah, they, it all seemed like good, good, good natured. Did it competitiveness? Oh, I don't. I do not think it. See, I think it seemed like very bad natured competitiveness. I, no, the thing is, with Scott McTominay, although he looks like he could start finding an empty room, I, I think he he just gets up straight away. I mean, within about what five minutes of the opening of the game, Rooney absolutely clattered him. I mean, he got the ball, but it was with one of those scissor tackles, which really is a bit naughty. And he just bounced straight back up, carried on like nothing mattered at all he's uh he's uh old-fashioned pro is scott mctominay yeah he is although he um definitely loomed threateningly over sibley uh the next time that they uh had anything to do with one another there was definitely a kind of deliberate intimidation that he was trying to apply to sibley after the yeah. incident uh, anyway, per- perfectly competent from United, as you yeah. say. I-, I thought the-, the pace of the game was pretty slow at times, and I, I guess like, neither side was was uh, particularly full strength, and and so that affected the sort of the the um, the output of both sides. United just didn't move the ball that quickly. A lot of that first half, they weren't really actually creating that many chances, despite having loads and loads and loads of possession, and not that they ever felt like United were in danger because Derby didn't create anything at all. It, it was just one of those games where it, the intensity was a bit lower, as I guess you'd expect with the nature of the teams that was put out and, and the golfing class between the two sides, or at least the golfing class that there should be between the two A couple sides. of shaky moments. Um, there was one which kind of just whizzed past Romero's post, wasn't there? And then, and then there was the header from... The Derby centre forward, which I think was at the beginning of the second half, when they actually came out quite strong. But it was one of those games where the timing of the goals really killed the intensity of the game in a way. I sort of think the game that was being played out changed fairly dramatically as two fairly quick United goals went in one after the other. Um, so the Luke Shaw shot, which Rooney would have been proud of, in that it sort of bounced awkwardly and went in the back of the net, which I feel like um, yep. was was sort of enjoyable. I mean it. Did it come off Jesse Lingard? Is that 
I yeah, think it's clear. yeah, it hit his shoulder. I, I think it's pretty clear. And Lingard tried to claim it afterwards by saying it hit his shoulder. I mean, maybe VAR should have called that out for uh, for handball. <laughs> yes, no VAR in this one. And if <laughs> no VAR in the FA Cup, and I, th- I think the top of the shoulder is okay. If there had it? been VAR in this, I, I think also we may have had a penalty because um, yeah, definitely so, a sort yeah. of unnatural position, as they say, to uh, to the derby player's arm, but. Didn't really matter. Igalo, I thought, did uh, did actually pretty well for his first goal. Well, for both his goals, really. Um, the uh, He had quite a lot of joy leading the line and was sort of quite busy and he, he was a big presence. And, you know, I mean, obviously, like, it's not the hardest task in the world to lead the line against an understrength championship side. But uh, he, he did a pretty effective job of that. Well, of course, he did a very effective job of that since he did score two goals. Yeah, I, I thought he did fine. It, absolutely. And and he, he was always that sort of focal point for United's attack. The, actually, it broke down behind that rather than with the Galo, I think, a lot of the time. And Fernandez was busy again, as you'd expect. Um, we've, you know, he, he's always looking to create Fred um, when he was on was pretty effective in midfield. McTominay had that running battle with Sibley, as we said. Yeah. Uh, was Sibley? Shinny. I, Which, I thought it was Sibley, because I thought he had the same Sibley. name as the it England Sibley, wasn't opener. It? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And, uh, you know, so there were there were bits to the game that, that uh, like, kind of livened it up now and again. But just, it wasn't a high-quality game. Uh, and I don't think anyone on the United side really stood out particularly. But as as I said, the Gallo did okay. Uh, obviously scored twice. Mata again looking to link up with Fernandez. It seems to it seems to work those two, doesn't it? Um, Dallo did okay have, may, down may the have... right. I mean, he's not had a lot of game time at all this season, so he definitely needs the minutes. Uh, he was trying to get forward. He, he's um, I'm not sure like a back four suits him, does it? He's definitely more comfortable going forward than back, but got a lot of space down that right-hand side. To to bomb forward, Shaw did all right when he was on. Again, you know, he's in a decent well, range but, of um, decent runner form at the moment. I think Shaw did very well. I mean, McManaman made him man of the match, and I didn't disagree. I thought he was he provided a kind of constant outlet down that that flank. He got forward all the time. I mean, he made one terrible mistake in the first half where he scythed down a derby player when there were two players two united defenders between the derby player and the goal it was a very slightly strange decision um i'd say yeah that that, i think that's fairly accurate but he was instrumental in the goals um obviously scored the first goal and he was he was involved in the build-up uh for the second goal um and yeah just uh just generally i think played pretty well um so a goal and an assist for Luke Shaw, or two assists, I guess, depending on what happens with that Lingard goal. Yeah, um, would that, yeah. Know, I guess that would count as an assist. You're one of the weirder ones. Uh, how do you work out the HG on it coming off your shoulder from the corner of the box? I mean, it'd be very low. <laughs> doesn't make yeah. any sense, yeah. Um, I, like, I'm, I'm really struggling to think of what to say too much about this game because, it's de- as, as you said right at the beginning, there's nothing you can we can draw five lessons from. Is it? No. Uh, it's another one of the games in this run which which seems to kind of stand alone on its own. And there have been quite a few in this nine matches unbeaten run now, which sounds very impressive. But but when you break down the component parts, it's, it's I'm not sure it really tells the story we'd really like it to tell. 
I mean, if it was well, nine, did, did... if it was nine Premier League wins with great performances, that would be different. But um, but in another win, nine without defeat is is great for the confidence, uh, especially going into the derby at the weekend. Yeah, and I think we did break it down last last game, last show, didn't we? So I think we sort of that's that's definitely established that that it's been a it hasn't been a particularly spectacular run, but it is. It is better than the alternative, and and this game in particular, like you, you definitely there's definitely no major takeaways from this game, but nice confidence boost, you know, and and they did find a way to break down a team that was kind of defending deep and all the things that we've struggled with, and we do. I think having Fernandez and Mata in this game. Okay, here I will go for one. The first thing I would put if I had a gun to my head and had to write a five things we learned piece that Mata and Fernandez probably is one of the keys to unlocking deep lying defences for United. And Ali should kind of not be afraid to play them against better sides, but the sides, I don't mean the very best sides, but the sides that are better than Derby, but that will come to sit back. And I think that that's a, that's a good, a good way of, uh, it's an effective technique for breaking down sides. I think the second thing we could go with the things we learned is that I've heard and seen quite a lot of talk about Jesse Lingard's form improving. I Maybe I'm being wildly unfair and just um, locked into a position. But it. yeah, exactly. Like I'm I'm not seeing that. And, and to me, like both Lingard and Pereira, both have had their moments this season, but Ultimately, they've had a lot of game time and not done very much. And are they both going to go in the summer? You wouldn't be super surprised, would you? No, I wouldn't be. And, and in fact, it might be better for both of them and for the club. Make make space in the squad for incoming players, whether from youth or though. I don't really know that Oli trusts any of the options in midfield that he's got in the under-23s or, or purchased. So, I, look, it's just been too long with Lingard to... To suddenly expect an uptake, and I, I think the any discussion about an uptake in form from him is solely because he got an assist the other week. There's just nothing else for me. He was completely vacant in this game. So, and I, I you know, and uh, I, I don't want to be a broken record. I have plenty of sympathy for from him for him. There was some press in the the week um, and piece in the Athletic and a Henry Winter wrote a piece as well. And plenty of sympathy for his situation, family situation, the amount of trolling he does get. Um, it was Oliver Kay in The Athletic. And, and I think I wrote on Twitter at the time, you know, if Oliver Kay had been, uh, you know, barely functioning as a writer for the last two years, as Jesse Lingard has barely functioned as a footballer for the last two years, he would be writing listicles at Bleacher Report, you know? And it's 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 just, you just, no one, no one can fail that hard for this long at a job and keep it except professional footballers apparently no i mean and then like he shouldn't be keeping his job but also like the relentless trolling is just disgusting and there's just people's attitudes is just oh sure horrendous but, but this, is, this is divorced from commentary about his uh you know and i don't think we're trolling him right oh, now no 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 of course not not no not, no i don't i don't think either of us are in the slightest but we're both saying he's still playing not very well. I mean, he grew into this game in the last 20 minutes of this game, but the last 20 minutes was a Rooney testimonial. I guess that's... Uh, that's So there we've got two things we've learned, neither of which we've really learned, but two things that I would put on that list. The third thing, again, not something we've learned, but um, 
noteworthy point. United's, uh, the United's, Manchester United away fans' vocal support of Wayne Rooney was an absolutely, an absolute delight. So we had seven straight minutes from the 60th to the 67th minute when Bruno Fernandes was substituted and the Rooney chant was finally replaced with a, a few minutes of Bruno. Um, but the last 10 minutes was uh, was all Rooney all the time. Stepped up to take a free kick with if Rooney scores were on the pitch, ringing through the air. I mean, during that 60 to 7, 67 minute spell, we did have the the absolutely vintage commentary moment that happens so often when United are playing, which is, um, you know, he's talking about Derby and they're not playing very well. He goes, but... To be fair, the fans of making a lot of noise. I'm like, you know, that's I know they're singing about a Derby player, but that is a United song sung by United fans right now. And McManaman did, in fact, point that out. Um, but it seems to happen a lot. Uh, but yeah, in that, those last few minutes, lots of Rooney, Rooney, Rooney chants. And, and he went over and gave United fans big applause at the end of the game. And it was it was a nice moment and sure, well-deserved, yeah. etc. Well-deserved. And so on, etc. And so on. Never have to talk to uh, talk about him again, uh, I suppose. Um, what did you think of Bailly and Lindelof at the back? I mean, concern about Lindelof's form this season. I think it's fair to point that out, and and Bailly's fitness and his propensity to do a Madden. But Solskjaer prior to the game saying Maguire might not be fit for the game against City at the weekend. So those two looks like they may well play against City, and maybe sure, I guess, in a back three. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I have any thoughts based on their performance in this game. I mean, we've seen them together quite a lot, and there was definitely, I mean, there was definitely been a time where it looked like that was the natural first choice partnership at United. I mean, we did a little talking about not talking about Rooney ever again. I'm going to talk about him again. I did a little. Um, took me ages to work this out, but five of the starting eleven had not played with Wayne Rooney. So Dallow, uh, Lindelof, um, Fred. Agalo and Fernandez had not played with Rooney because um, McTominay played with him. Just he he came he made his debut right at the back end of that season that Rooney left. Um, but the and Bailly and Lindelof have been around for long enough that they've played a lot of games together and and they are a, a, a pairing that works in theory, you know, complementary skills wise. Much like we were sort of saying that Maguire and Bailly might work better than. Um, Lindelof and Maguire because they're a bit too similar. So in that sense... Sure, they, they all work well in theory. It's the practice that has normally let them down. So um, Tuanzebe on the bench, great to see him back in the squad. Didn't get a run out this time round. Um, really nice podcast with the uh, official podcast this week. Superb. And he's a very, very well-spoken man and, How impressive and confident is he? and humble. Yeah. Like, so, so impressive. Like you say, just a combination of... A real confidence, but absolutely no arrogance about him, and just, just an absolute kind of like the exact kind of representative you'd want in terms of the way he comes across, at least. Yeah, and I don't know whether he'll get much game time before the season closes. Uh, it'd be nice to see it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think uh, when the season began and he was in the squad ahead of Smalling and Phil Jones, I guess we thought he would get quite a lot of game time this season. Hasn't worked out that way because he spent so much time injured which yeah. is a real shame for him he also had quite a lot of time out injured while he was at Aston Villa I hope it's not a pattern because he's he's certainly talented enough to make it at United but he's as we've seen with other players including Smalling and Jones and particularly Jones long-term injuries frequently hold players back especially at this stage of their development anyway uh, we'll worry about that if it happens again but uh, really good to see him back 
yeah. And uh, talking of which, Marcel, of course, played the last game and then came on in this game. So nothing too serious in his recent muscle injury by the looks of it. By the looks of it, yeah. Maguire, on the other hand, maybe not so much. Yeah, he turned over on his ankle. So he, Solskjaer had said he was not going to be rested for this game, but then he turned his ankle in training. I mean, that that isn't an overtraining issue, is it? That can happen to anyone. Um, but as we talk about, whenever the word ankle gets mentioned on this show, ankle injuries are tough, take a long time to recover from, etc., etc., etc. So let's hope it's nothing complicated. Great. So, any any final thoughts on this game? Nah, just Rooney, Rooney, Rooney. That's my final thought on this game. <laughs> Norwich next. Uh, Norwich beats Spurs yes. on penalties, which uh, right. which got to Eric Dyer so much that he uh, threw himself into the crowd. Something. Like I mean, that. to be fair, I think what got to Eric Dyer was his friend being racially abused. Yeah. Well, no, I thought he, it was his brother. Well, do have we seen the the the, the full story of this? No, I, I certainly haven't. I've just saw. So, so in 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 one clip, he's like, "That's my brother. That is, that's my brother." And so I was, I thought it was uh, someone trolling his brother. Although he's he's gone a good twenty rows back, so he's got some bloody good hearing. Anyway, well, I guess we'll find out the full story in the fullness of time. Um, and see whether he faces a punishment for it. It doesn't seem to actually hit anyone, but it doesn't look good, does it? A player running into the crowd and chasing after a spectator. Yeah, I'm not sure that you you have to actually punch someone, do you, to get in trouble for... Like you said, by the time he'd done 20 rows, it'd have been quite remarkable if he had actually punched someone, so... We'll, we'll we'll see what happened there. He, he had a little little bit of time to have a think what, about it. What, anyway, be- um, Norwich next next. Uh, oh no, out. hold on. They are, I'd have to Ed, say I can't, on, I can't believe on, you're uh, you're missing an opportunity to make fun of how rubbish and what an idiot and how miserable Jose Mourinho is all the time and how it's just like however bad things get, Mourinho not being here will always be wonderful. Like. Well, he's doing at Spurs what he did at United, which is when it's not going well, when the results are going against him, when things are going against him, especially with injuries and players out at the moment, he does not handle it well. It's the moaning every single press conference he's moaning at the moment. And he's just got this vibe of negativity around, so much so that Castles on his podcast was saying that Harry Kane wants out. Um, whole, 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 yeah, I know. A whole other discussion about that. Given that the the market for Harry Kane is probably a a, a market of one club, which is United, and, and Harry Kane's sort of fundamentals, are, um, it's kind of on the way down each season at the moment. But Very much that's so. a different discussion. We'll do a, we'll do a transfer discussion as we get towards the back end of the season, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're completely right, and. Um, I tried to skip over it. It, 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 it. It's an absolute joy that he is not polluting our club anymore. It's just, it's just amazing that the kind of like um, the pattern is repeating so profoundly, identically, right down to the kind of split down the middle. Tottenham fans going, "What's he supposed to do without Son and Kane?" And Tottenham fans going, "Well, how about he's not utterly miserable and pathetic all the time? That might help." you know, and talk down every player that he's got to replace him. And how about he plays the, like, really promising teenage striker off the... Anyway, we won't do this every week, but just every time Tottenham lose. So maybe, maybe just about every week. Might be every week at the moment. Yeah. And they lost four in a row now. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, with us, it, it felt like third season Mourinho arrived at the beginning of the, like, pre-season after his first, between his first and second. With Tottenham, 
third season Mourinho has arrived after three months. And the kind you know, of... It's, it's exponential growth in third season Mourinho, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's just... it's the half-life is getting shorter and shorter <laughs> and shorter. His next job, it'll be after the first week. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in his first press conference. And I'll tell you what, what his next job will be... Well, it'll probably be Real Madrid, won't it? Because Perez is so ridiculous. But anyway, um, let's take a little break and come back and talk about uh, Mourinho's arch rival, I guess. <laughs> join no question about that if so let others know about us the best way to do that is leave us a review and a rating on itunes and hit that subscribe button so um that's derby out the way now it's time for the derby yes. Um, it is time for the derby. We, did, we didn't get to talk about the uh, next opponent because the draw was. Oh made, yeah, sorry, so. I interrupted Norwich, you talking Norwich. about Norwich. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't. What? Well, not a lot to say about Norwich other than that they are probably the best last place side in the Premier League for quite some time. You know, they do play some really nice football. It's just they've got twenty-one points and they're definitely going down. Yeah, they play some really nice football sometimes, and some really nice in a totally different way football. In the sense of like receptive, accepting, generous, kind-hearted, forgiving football, where they just let the other team score loads of goals all the time. Um, yes, enough enough about that. We'll, uh, we'll I guess we will play them in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, the a great opportunity for United, by the way, to make a semi-final. Yeah, massive. Before that. Manchester City. So I guess that this will be an interesting one. Yeah, the first thing I, I think about this game is there's not that much riding on it compared to what there has been riding on. Like just in not that it's not important, just in the sense that if United lose this game, not much changes. I know the race of race for fourth or fifth place is very sort of touch and go. But having said that, the um the truth is other teams are going to drop points all the way through this race till the end of the season. So like all this game really is, is a a derby and it matters because it's a derby. Well, it matters because, because points matter and there's only 10 games to go. So I don't know. I don't know if I buy the argument that there's not much riding on it. There's a hundred million pounds and the, you know, financial and reputational future of the club riding on it so nah it doesn't it doesn't make any difference like the, the, there's no way that you know to get fifth let's say let's say fifth is a champions league place even fourth to get fourth united don't have to win every game between now and the end of the season they have to win all the games they're meant to win no they don't but but, that, but you know so every game matters a lot and and i know that every game matters exactly equally over the course of a season <laughs> Whether it's the first game or the last game, but but it doesn't, does it? You know, they suddenly become more equal than others at this time of year because because a win here or a win there changes fortunes massively. And United are only three points behind Chelsea, and of course they will drop points, but so will we. So, but, you know, but it's points like, matter. And yeah, it's the derby. But we, we so we play, we play City, then we play Spurs. After that, well, I guess the Sheffield United game will be moved because uh, the Norwich game is on the Saturday now. Um, then we have, or that weekend anyway, then we have Brighton away, Bournemouth at home, Villa away, Southampton at home, Palace away, West Ham at home, Leicester away. So, like, I'm not saying that we should just not care about this game because obviously it's the derby, but I'm... 
I think the idea that this is like a kind of crucial Champions League decider type game, I don't, know. I don't think our fortunes are going to rest on what happens in this game particularly. No, no, but um, I, I, I think that's probably a straw man. I'm, I'm not sure anyone's saying that our entire season rests on it. Well, didn't uh, no, no. It's, it's an important you game. It, you called it a hundred million pound, like future of the club decider game a minute ago. No, I, so. I did not. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying that the the every every game now is important because uh, Champions League participation is a hundred million pounds to United. Mm-hmm. Actually, probably more. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's the way the Adidas deal is structured. The the discount is actually spread out over a few years. The, the problem is there's no guarantee. And in fact, the last six years, what, what this, if we miss out this time, it would be like four in six. So there'd be no guarantee that we don't miss out again. Um, so it's it's something like a 20-something million pound hit, plus all the broadcasting rights, plus the coefficient, which affects future broadcasting rights, plus the... Um, other sponsorship deals that United have, plus potential sponsorship deals, plus the gates, because they're not as good as in the Europa League. So, so on, so on, so on, totted up £100 million or so for uh, participation in the Champions League, maybe even more if United go further. Um, so, yeah, the City game doesn't mean any more than the Aston Villa game or the Palace game or the Norwich game or or, or the Southampton game or whatever. But, uh, uh, um, um, I mean... Of course, the City game is the kind of game we seem to do better in than, say, the Brighton game uh, or the Villa game where we may well be playing against uh, a low block and, and historically have struggled with that. You, you mentioned that the City game is the kind of game we've done better in, but in fact, we haven't beaten anyone decent uh, since we beat... I mean, OK, the second leg of the Carling Cup game doesn't count as far as I'm concerned so we haven't beaten anyone good since we beat City on the 7th of December um so it's three months since we've beaten a big side uh in in a game that really mattered um since then we've got kind of comfortably beaten over two legs by City we got comfortably beaten by Liverpool comfortably beaten by Arsenal of all teams well that's not a big Um, game (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, on. I guess not. Oh, we beat Chelsea, to be fair, didn't we? No, okay, so I'll take all that back because we did beat Chelsea on the second, um, on the seventeenth of Feb, um, and and that was very much that kind of game. But they and, and you're saying so what? Uh, former European Cup finalist Club Bruges, uh, and wasn't a big game. <laughs> um, Outrageously so robbed in the seventy-seven European Cup final by Liverpool. <laughs> Boo. Um, City have been in a weird run of form. They scraped past uh, Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup. They, they, I was going to say they scraped to win in the uh, Carabao Cup final. Not really fair on the balance of play. It was a, a fairly dominant performance that they weren't able to turn into a, a dominant scoreline. And, and really, Villa could have nearly nicked that one. Um, and they were, well, I have and they to were say, very fortunate with their second goal, City. Yeah, yes, absolutely. But they like dominated that game to a ridiculous extent and created plenty of good opportunities. And um, I, I was surprised that the score was, was so close going into the end of it. Um, and before that, they they put on a clinic after Madrid got a player sent off. I have to say that that game was one of the more impressive performances I've seen this season. I mean, but then again, Madrid are no great shakes, are they at the moment? So 
No, Madrid are a kind of weird side. I mean, Barcelona are in trouble, so Madrid are probably favourites to win La Liga. But it's a weird La Liga season. It looks like it feels like the end of a sort of bit of an era, doesn't it? With uh, Ronaldo gone and and Messi declining. City, I mean, they've got Aston, they've got Arsenal, then the Burnley game, then the Madrid game, and I guess they're looking at that Madrid game because that's the only one that matters now. Really, the the league is gone, done. Liverpool, despite their sort of bump uh, in the past week or so, three defeats, are going to win the league. So City just have to, they have to, it's like peaking for the Olympics as a sprinter, isn't it? They have to peak for the right games and rest players at the at the right time. Yeah, and, and I wonder if uh, this will be one where actually they've got long enough to go that it's just going to be, I was just going to say they, they did lose to Tottenham, but the XG in that game was 0.4 to Mourinho's Tottenham, 3.23 to Guardiola's City. It's just <laughs> such a classic Guardiola versus Mourinho game, that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I'm sure that their confidence is pretty high at the moment. I'm sure that even though they don't deserve it, they are making the most out of a kind of siege mentality. Everyone's against us kind of collective because if you were their manager that's exactly what you do isn't it you know even though it's nonsense um you would you know even though what's actually happening is you're literally the baddies um so I I think they'll be full of confidence and and play a very strong side and be a huge test for United because we played very well against them in the game where we beat them I thought but we were also we also got the run of the green in a rubber the green in a way, um, and we're going to need it. I think even if we play well in this game, to be honest. Sure, yeah, um, and they have been rotating wrestling players. Kevin De Bruyne didn't start against Brighton. Uh, who did they play last week? They played Villa in the cup. Villa, okay, Villa in the cup. Why was I think it was Brighton? He didn't start in that game. He probably, I'm sure, he'll start against United. He didn't play against Sheffield Wednesday either. Um, uh, America Laporte is injured again, so they're going to end up playing a midfielder back there, I guess, Fernandinho, alongside John Stones, who looked pretty terrible against Villa. Uh, mm. There's a player who's regressed a lot. Uh, I'm not. David Silva might play, probably won't. And and then there's the question um, about the forwards. Aguero seems to only play in the big games at the moment. Um, and uh, Pep doesn't seem to trust uh, Jesus. Um, so I guess it's Aguero and Sterling definitely and one other, um, maybe uh, Bernardo Silva, I guess. Although Pep's been playing quite a lot of weird formations in recent games, trying to eke out something extra from this team, and especially when he's um, rotating at the back or having to rotate at the back because there's been so many injuries. He's changed a midfield mix-up quite a lot as well. So um, why don't you think David Silva will play? He, he, he hasn't played every game, has he, recently? I feel like he's been uh, in and out of the side. I mean, he's I leaving he at the end of the season and he's ancient. Yeah, uh, no, you're right, actually. He has been. He played a lot in January um, and he has started the last two games, but they were both cup games, so hard to know exactly, I guess. Um and it's just hard to know in general. I mean, he Pep did a right number on Solskjaer in the in the first leg of the Carabao 
game, didn't he? When he played with effectively three false nines all rotating in and out of position and United just couldn't handle it. I suppose how United go into this, I've got to be pretty confident it will be a back three. So, and if it is, I'm assuming, let's say Maguire's not fit, it's by uh, Shaw and... Um, Lindelof, Lindelof yeah. rather than Twan Zabian for yeah, sure, I'm because sure. sure has actually done well there, and Williams is perfectly good choice at, at, at right at left back, left wing back, yes. and actually, um, so uh, Wambasaka is a doubt, and that means that if Dallo plays, he's likely playing as a right wing back, which is what we kind of think is probably his best position, and he could definitely be a threat to them but it leaves us vulnerable down the flanks, which is down that flank in particular, which is where City's great strengths are, isn't it? Yes, and it leaves uh, the channel in behind him extremely vulnerable, I'd imagine. And I mean, the thing the thing is, if City do play with a false nine, I don't think they will. I think Aguero will play, but, but Pep is Pep and he comes up with solutions. Um, it would leave United with almost the wrong kind of overload, having too many defensive players in a line um, against uh, a lot of floating players in front of them, breaking between lines, and and that could cause a problem. It caused problem when we played them in that that Carabao Cup semi final. Um, so you know, look look out for that. I guess um, whether United will come up with any tactical innovations beyond the back three. Not that's a tactical innovation because it often turns into <laughs> a back five when we don't have a lot of possession. I'm not sure. Um, when Bazaka potentially being out is a real problem, of course, because he's probably our best defender. Um, at least in those one-on-one situations. And, and Sterling, I presume, will start down that left-hand side uh, and cut in, which which will cause a real problem for the space between, I guess, Bailly and and um, Dallot, if that's the two that, that's starting over that side of the back five. Yeah, I was going to say, if it is that way, then I, th- I guess you do play Bailly there because at least he puts in speed, he puts speed into that channel if if they are opened up. And Lindelof can then just kind of cover in the middle. Um, it seems to make more sense than playing Lindelof on that side and Bailly right in the middle. Um, and Because I, I, th- I think Maguire normally plays in the middle of the back three, doesn't he? With Lindelof on the right and Shaw yeah. on the left. So, yeah, that's that's an interesting, a small kind of micro-tactical decision. In midfield, um, I mean, Fernandes is obviously going to play. Fred is obviously going to play. And I guess McTominay is obviously going to play. And Yes, yes, he will. You yeah. know, that that is a midfield three, which does make a, a lot of sense and can do a, a lot of good work, both defensively and at, in an attacking sense, because neither Fred nor Fernandes are any kind of pushover defensively. And McTominay is, is far from terrible in terms of um, ball rotation. So... You know, there's sure there's hope if they get there. enough of the ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, De Bruyne and Rodri, I'm, I'm sure, are nailed on to play, and then then it's one of Silver or Gundogan, I think, for the third central midfield spot. And Aguero, not sure who Aguero, Sterling, and probably Bernardo Silva. I'm imagining from from City, and and then for United, the three you mentioned, and then Martial. Who else? Martial. Who are the three up front for United? I mean, I guess Dan James in that he... um, I was talking to Cal about this and he was saying, like, Dan James is really a player where he doesn't make any sense when you watch him on telly and he makes a little bit more sense when you watch him in person because he's getting through tons of work off the ball. Not that that 
makes him good enough to play for United or anything. But maybe if that's if that's fully the case, and Solskjaer really likes that about him, he might play James to to kind of Harry and and Bustle, and then yeah, and who's is, the it, third? is it between Matter Greenwood? Uh, Igalo. It's not matter for a game where we're playing on the break. I don't think Igalo, it's Igalo. leading the line, Martial on the left, and uh, Dan James on no. the right. I don't think it'll happen, but it's. Um, so. It, I, I don't think it's Igalo because I don't think you'll even get the ball very much, but um, I, I'm sure it's Martial for the pace. Just imagine United having 65% possession in this game. Yeah. And you just want to go very quickly. Well, actually, haven't haven't uh, in the possession you've haven't got. we picked five defenders, three midfielders, so we only need two forwards. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. True. So, Mum, Marcy, Alan, James, it's your turn to say we need twelve players. After I did it the other week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's our secret <laughs> weapon against City. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Good. No, I, I think that's about right. Yeah, I think that's going to be very close to the final eleven. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm really looking forward to this game, um, partly because feel quite relaxed about it um obviously like getting a tonking would be absolutely disastrous but I don't believe that is even particular I mean I'm not saying it couldn't happen but I don't believe it's particularly likely because actually the one thing that we haven't done in this run albeit as we've kind of picked holes in the idea that it's been a brilliant run um we certainly have not looked particularly defensively vulnerable at any point in this run so you know, there, there does seem to be a, a better level of defensive solidity and organisation than there's been for a long time. And maybe Maguire being out will be really detrimental to that because maybe actually some of quite a lot of this has been about Maguire properly returning to fitness. Um, and that's one of the one of the main things about our back four um, or five. But I do think we've between both in terms of personnel, how well we're kind of looking in terms of organisation and stuff. I, I don't think this game should be one which is enormously intimidating to United. I think it's going to be about trying to soak up pressure and hit City on the break and we can definitely do it. Sure, yes. And I, I think that's the, the pattern um, for most of the games we've played against City recently. Well, the three we've played against City recently, the the one big one is when they bamboozled us with a, an innovative tactical system and we just couldn't cope. And yeah. they could have been four or five up by half time. So... Uh, I, I imagine you're right here. I think United will be competitive. Um, City, there must there must be a little bit of edge gone. Must be, especially um, it, in the league. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it does mean less this game for City than it does for United. I don't know whether the, the players will exactly feel that way, but uh, we'll we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think United will be competitive. It's still going to be super yeah. tough. Uh, I'm going to predict a 2-1 win to City, unfortunately. I, I would love it not to be that way, obviously, but that's that's my prediction for this game. Well, I'm going to go mad and go for one all. All right, brilliant. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back after that game to chat about that and everything to come. Uh, and yeah, uh, we really appreciate everyone sticking with us and um, tell all your friends you like the podcast. Thanks. Do it. Thank you and see you next week. <laughs>